Hey, this is Jim Graham from the Masculine Journey Podcast, where we explore relationship instead of religion every week. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now. Good morning. Thank you for turning into Robbie Dilmore's The Christian Car Guy Show. Robbie is enjoying a weekend in the woods. If you are a regular listener, you might recognize my voice from the first Saturday of the month. This is Bill Mix, and I spent over 30 years with one of the greatest insurance companies in North Carolina, Nationwide Insurance. I majored in insurance at Appalachian State, and it would be my pleasure to take any insurance questions you may have today. With me is Jack Wingett of All Choice Insurance Agency. Good morning, Jack. Jack, you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning. There you go. Good morning, Bill. After combining my agency with a small group of fellow agents and then that agency being bought out, I went in search for my own insurance agent and I called Jack, a friend from church who's just been a wonderful person to work with. But before we get to Jack, I've got a wonderful friend joining us for our first segment, Dr. Brittany Speed. Good morning, Speed. Good morning. Dr. Speed is an emergency room physician, not in just one hospital, but in two. Um, Doc, you must see a great many victims' of vehicle accidents, and I was hoping you might help our audience understand the importance of things like wearing a seatbelt, not looking at our phones when we're driving, which I really need chastising over, and how dangerous it is to place children in the front seat of vehicles. Where would you like to start? Well, thanks again for having me, Bill, and um, I'm happy to share some some thoughts into that today. Um, wherever you like, if you have a certain question that has been kind of on your mind, I know you've joked about needing chastising about looking at the phone while driving. It's certainly a, a new thing in the last 10 years, 20 years, where people are using their cell phones in the car. And, you know, I think anybody could tell you that taking your eyes off the road can be quite dangerous, and it doesn't take but a split second for someone or something to pop out in front of you and cause a serious accident. Um, you know, it's it's hard with all the technology we have today, but when you're driving, I think it's important to recognize that those things really can wait 10 minutes, 15 minutes until you get home rather than risk some terrible accident. You have to remind yourself of how you might feel if you accidentally struck someone or, uh, you know, injured yourself or those in the car while they're riding with you if you weren't able to see something in front of you during those brief moments. Would you say 20% of the emergency rooms are vehicle accidents? 
<laughs> It'd be hard to put an exact percentage on it, but it's certainly a lot of what makes up with the trauma accidents and the activations for trauma. It's certainly not... It's a little exciting, but also a little scary when you hear the page overhead that you've got an MVC coming in or a motor vehicle collision. Yeah, I was driving on the way to the show this morning and pulled into a parking lot that didn't have all the lines in it and put my eye down to the phone for just a second to turn it off and look back up. And some somebody, I'm biting my tongue, was speeding through the parking lot. And if I hadn't looked up just at that second, we'd have had a problem. And that was just taking a moment to look at the cell phone. You know, I just, I have a hard time imagining waking up in the emergency room and my first question being, where's my child? You know, how's my wife? Um, How often do you have to deal with trying to tell somebody the worst news in situations like that? Is that a weekly thing? Um, certainly one of the things that we deal with being physicians in the emergency room is delivering bad news or having worse even. We don't have the answers to their questions. Um, when it comes to multiple you know, victim motor vehicle collisions where there was an accident for whatever reason, they weren't looking, they were on the phone, and, or just an accident, it's definitely pressing. And people, you see the regret when you deliver news and you talk about the story. And, you know, most of the time, uh, I think having the person on the receiving end of, I don't know what happened, they just swerved into my lane, I don't think they saw me, and having to explain what happened. I think there's a lot of things that go through their mind during that time, including if their family's safe, how are they going to deal with this, who's in trouble, what's my fault in this, and it's certainly a problem that could easily be avoided if you're, you're doing your best to focus on the road. One of my dearest friends from college, somebody I kept up with for decades, I bet we talked every other week, if not more, was um, at 10 o'clock driving down a road and a drunk driver swerved out of their lane and smashed right into her, and she was gone. Now, he walked away from it. Uh, From what I understand, he went to the hospital and then straight to the jail. It just um, amazing how quickly the entire world can change. And you just have to wonder, if there wasn't a distraction, would you have had just a beat to have gotten out of a situation like that, or if it was just completely unavoidable? But I know that um, every day there are just horrendous accidents that happen and people end up, and we are just so grateful that we've got people like you that have decided to make their life making people whole after they go through a really bad accident. Um, Some of the worst accidents, I would think, have kids involved. Any stories you're interested in sharing? (laughs) Sure, within my my law-abiding compound, sure. But, um, you know, I think I was thinking on that. Certain stories, of course, pop into my head, but you hit the nail on the head with the the drunk driving or driving intoxicated. Quite often, we see children as victims of this. Um, either they were in the car or during a drunk driver who, you know, didn't think to put them in the seatbelt or didn't think to put them in the car seat or drove intoxicated with children in the car. You know, your your level of knowing what the right thing to do is lowered, of course, when you're drunk, and these things just get missed. And we see, you know, traumatic pediatric or children accidents in this case, and of course, adults too. We don't want to see them get hurt, but when people get behind the wheel intoxicated. Often people get hurt, and it's something to think about for yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, your life and a taxi or a cab is a lot 
better of an idea. It's, you know, your life is worth more. The cab is cheaper than all of the litigation you're going to face. So why make the risk? You know, you should think about that before you drink alcohol. And often we see people who unfortunately are victims of being in an accident from a drunk driver and it's just crushing. You know, you don't ever want to see that. And a lot of times those who do cause accidents because they've been drinking, there's a lot of regret you see when you see them in the emergency room and you want everybody to do well, but they're definitely suffering from a bit of guilt. And the one thing you can do is think about it before you make the decision not to do it. Yeah, it's good to be the designated driver, and it's good to remember that you know shooting for being right under the legal limits not necessarily the best thing. Just one drink can um, impair you enough to not be able to get out of an accident. Um, <laughs> I've, I'm so glad I survived my college days. Sitting here thinking, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I want to share that particular story, but. <laughs> I would think that there are an awful lot of people that end up in the emergency room that were at the end up there and the other person wasn't actually legally drunk. They were just slightly impaired. Um, We hear about putting children in the back seat. Is there anything you can share or help us understand a little bit better why it's important? Yeah, absolutely. So, You know, children, and I can speak from my own experience, I grew up in the country, so I'm sure that there were times in the farm field where we were put in the back or put in the trunk. You bounced around in the back of the pickup truck. were relatively unsafe, (laughs) yes. So with that being said, though, there are reasons that, you know, they study these things and they make rules and they have suggestions and they have laws, such as seatbelt laws, to protect people so that they understand what can you know, they do the research and they make the rules because they understand that this is something that will help people people safe in the in the event of an accident. Children in the back seat is typically recommended. I think it can change during states, but um, children 13 and above, I believe, are recommended for the front seat. That'll obviously differ on size because if you have a you can have a 13 or 14 year old child who's relatively small, and why they recommend that is the airbag deployment. The airbags deploy at a certain height, and if you have a small child in the front, even if their seatbelt is on, it can hit them in the face. It can actually lift them up to where they hit their head on the top of the car, hurting their neck. And there's certain reasons that they recommend that kids sit in the back like the seatbelts, like the airbag deployment, that could potentially cause more harm than good in, a, in an accident situation. Well, those are some words of wisdom I hope people will take to heart. It's... Uh... Too often I see children sitting in the passenger seat of the vehicle, and it's good to remember it's much safer to put them in back. Um, I want to thank you for talking to us. We're going to be cut off here in just a second, and Jack can share with us some ideas that will help us do a better job insuring our cars. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Jack, are you back? I'm here. It's so good to have you on. Thank you for being with me. Um, I'm sure you have over... How many years have you been in insurance? 
Let's see. My business just turned 17 years old, and uh, two years before that, so that puts us at 19 years. Golly, I, white here. I've just gone completely white over my my years with Nationwide, but I guess that's better than. I always go to my barber and complain that every time he cuts my hair, it gets lighter. He says, "Shut up! You should just be glad you got hair." So I usually that's right. Um, I was. You've got how many locations now? So we have four locations, uh, one in Greensboro, sort of our corporate headquarters, uh, Clemens slash Winston-Salem. Then we have one down towards Wilmington and one up in Hendersonville in the beautiful mountains of North Carolina. i got to get by and, and see that one in Clemens since it's the closest one to me. I hadn't even been by yet. I know. Uh, now, which one are you working out of? Primarily Clemens. Um, I've lived in Winston-Salem for since 1999, uh, when I got out of college, Appalachian State, um, and I made the drive to Greensboro every day for 14 years, and that just got to be um, got to the point where I was like, I'm tired of doing that. So I opened the office at Clemens. Now, what was your major at ASU? Uh, oddly enough, uh, I started with a finance degree, and then it was two extra classes to get a degree in risk management and insurance. Never wanting to go into insurance, I uh, just thought it'd be cool to stay an extra semester in school. So. Yeah, I tell you, if I'd have had spell check and could have done my research from home instead of having to hike all the way to the school, I might have stayed in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, so you went into insurance right out of college? No, I actually started, uh, when, I, when I moved to Winston-Salem, I went to work for a company that uh, they, they bought and sold computer hardware, like for big companies. I uh, did that for about a year and a half, two years, and decided that that just wasn't the thing for me. Um, and I had a, a college friend who had gone to work for North Carolina Farm Bureau. He said, why don't you get into insurance? And that, that's kind of how it happened. I got to tell you, being independent right out of the box, that I don't know that I was bright enough to have done that. Luckily, I went to work for Nationwide straight out of college, and for at least 15 years, we were the number one insurance agency, I mean, insurance company in the entire state. So uh, they, they did a lot of those things that you independent agents had to struggle through, figure ways around. <laughs> My life was a whole lot easier than your road was. Yeah, yeah no, Nationwide is, uh, and, and I think like you had mentioned earlier, we brought Nationwide into our agency about two years ago uh, just because they're the behemoth in North Carolina. Everyone knows Nationwide and everyone knows Peyton Manning and Brad Paisley, and so we thought it would be a good addition to our to our roster of carriers. Yeah, for many, many, many years, we were the number one auto and homeowners and sometimes commercial producer in the state. So it was um, it was wonderful to be associated with them. Um, now, there are some things I always like to share with folks, and that is, in my humble opinion, or not humble opinion, it is far better even if it costs a little bit more, to have a personal insurance agent you can sit down with if you need to or to be able to call in and talk to the same person every time you call in instead of dialing one of those 800 numbers and the chances of being able to talk to the same person twice is almost zero. Now, I'm sure you agree with me, but I thought I might give you a chance to make a different case. Um why is it better that somebody pick up the phone and call your office instead of calling one of those 800 numbers? Yeah, it's a great question, Bill. 
the way I look at it is in our information society, there is a lot of information that people can get and should go out and get and do their own research on things. But at the end of the day, you actually need someone who is an expert in whatever the field is. You can go to WebMD all day long and diagnose your own you know, health insurance, I mean, your own health concerns. At the end of the day, you really need a doctor to go in there and, and truly break down what's going on. The same thing happens in insurance. What we see is with all the commercials that happen on a daily basis, I think you see more insurance commercials than anything else. It's always a name your price. It's save money here. And saving money is great, but no one ever talks about truly what insurance is designed and meant for. And we see so many people come to us. And once we go through and explain XYZ coverage, you name it, they, the light bulb goes on. They, are you kidding me? I was at, this was, this was a, what, what I was at risk for. And, and so again, most people just don't understand insurance. So it's good to have that person that you can call. Hey, am I covered? Can I sleep at night? Um, should I file this claim? They're questions that you're not going to get answered at a call center. If you, if you are an insurance expert, then by all means, call up a 1-800 number and you, do, you become your own agent. Do that. My guess is 99.9% .9 of the people out here listening and in the world today aren't insurance experts. So count on someone that, 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 you, that, that is. Now, one of the most dangerous things, in my opinion, is to have the auto insurance with one eight one eight hundred number and the homeowners insurance with a different one eight hundred number, because then you've got holes and gaps, and both companies can point their fingers and say, "It's not my fault that you borrowed a boat or rented a boat, and there's no coverage for it." Having that one agent that can oversee all your different needs and concerns and can ask you some pointed questions and say, is this a risk? Is this a problem that you want to assume yourself? Or do you want to spend a couple dollars a month to make this risk the insurance company's problem? Is the one of the biggest sales points I like to share with people. Um, you know, it used to be if you went and you rented a jet ski at the summer vacation that you had some coverage for that but in a lot of cases these days unless you had that coverage attached somewhere paying a little bit of premium for it you don't have that protection are you seeing that with most of the companies you deal with jack yes so i think to your point bill having one agent and, and whether or not that that customer is best with the same company if you're you know home and autos with carrier a that's a great thing, but having one agent that can oversee, even if it's a diversified set of cares, is great. Jack, that music means that we're coming up to a hard, fast break. We'll pick up this conversation on the other side. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. listening to the truth network and truthnetwork.com robbie gilmore's the christian car guy radio show this is bill mixon filling in for robbie while he's out enjoying nature uh we've got jack wingett with us this morning an insurance agent 
And one story I used to share a great deal, right after I got into the insurance business, there was an article in the Winston-Salem Journal about a man that was driving past Baptist Hospital, and he heard this kathunk, and he stopped his car, and he got out, and he had run over a child. He did not even know that there had been a child there. Well, he ended up in court, and in the middle of the trial, the insurance company he had wrote a check for $100,000 and got up and left him all alone sitting in that courtroom. And he had to call a firm and tell that firm, I need a lawyer really bad. And if lawyers listened to what he had to say, and they said, well, you know, if your insurance company's already cut a check and left you, this is going to be a hard case to win So we need all our money up front because at the end, if uh, there's a settlement, you're not going to have anything to pay us. So he had to figure out where to get the money to pay the attorneys. Well, when he went to the bank, the bank asked, are you in any litigation? Are you in the middle of a lawsuit? And when he said yes, all the banks said no. So he had to go to all his family and his friends and scrape together the money to pay the attorneys. And at the end of the trial... The judge says, you owe far more money than what you've got insurance to pay. Well, he said, well, you know, I'll just file bankruptcy. I said, well, that's fine, but you're going to garnish your wages and your spouse wages. Sign this piece of paper. We're going to keep 50% of all the money that you've got coming to you in the future. He says, I'm not going to sign that piece of paper. And the judge said, well, that's fine. We're going to hold you in contempt of court, and you can just sit in a jail cell till you get all this worked out. Now, I don't know whether he could have hired another attorney and got out of that part of it, but he didn't have the money to do it. I had shared that story so many times and reprinted that article so many times that the gentleman actually called me up one day and talked to me. It's a big deal, especially if you've got assets, to make sure that you protect those assets and your future income so that great big problems are manageable. And that's the whole reason that insurance was created. It's to take care of the great big huge problems that there's absolutely no way that you can take care of yourself. And one of the wildest things that I discovered was to go from 50000 to to 100000 can only cost a couple bucks. Right, Jack? I, I tell you, Bill, that's, that's one thing that still to this day flabbergasts me is is just how much or how little it actually costs to go from these limits that won't really protect you to ones that will make you really, really um, happy that you have them. That, that's a big deal. And I had an insurance per, a professor at ASU. At one point, I think he made in every single class was the two best values in insurance is term life insurance and umbrella policies. Um you know, a lot of folks, especially if you've got auto insurance with one 800 number and the homeowner's insurance with a different one 800 number, never even hear about umbrella policies. You want to tell folks what they are? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Bill. So umbrella insurance, if you think of what an umbrella looks like, you know, it, it, it goes over and above you and your spouse if you're walking down the street and it's raining. An umbrella insurance policy does the same thing except it sits over and above your homeowner's insurance or renter's insurance and your auto insurance, or if you have boats, your boat insurance, all of that, and gives you an extra 
in you know for most people million dollars worth of liability. Um, one thing that that we're seeing now with what they call nuclear verdicts across the the nation are you know people get in accidents and their their claims that get um, thrown in and the judges are awarding these large settlements. So just having a million dollar umbrella anymore, honestly, a lot of times isn't isn't all that you need. We're we're seeing more. Five, $10 million umbrellas, even on our personal side. Now, what I used to call them were golden handcuffs. You see, if you've only got $100,000 worth of insurance, your insurance company is responsible for not only paying the 100000 but they're also responsible for paying your legal fees. That is until they pay the 100000 so if you get in a situation like the poor guy that ran over the child in front of Baptist Hospital, as soon as the insurance company said, no matter what we do, we're going to end up writing $100,000 worth of checks to cover all the legal fees and whatever happens, why don't we just cut our losses and we're going to cut that $100,000 check now and we can get out of, get around, not have to pay for all those legal fees. Well, if you've got a million three hundred thousand dollars worth of protection, that insurance company's not going to cut and run anywhere near as fast. So the umbrella turns into golden handcuffs between you and the insurance company, forcing them or making it far more prudent for them to sit there in that courtroom next to you and not only cover the amount of the exposure, the amount that's got to be paid out when the gravel goes down but they're also having to pay all those legal fees yeah you know it's funny i had i had the opportunity to sit down with uh, one of my insurance carriers the, la- the the lady who was in charge of all claims for the company and we were talking about umbrella insurance and she said jack it's like if i'm sitting down at a poker table if i know that i have fifty thousand dollars worth of money or a hundred thousand that's one thing but if i sit down at the table and i have and i know that i have a million dollars extra so in essence i have that umbrella policy I'm much more likely to, you know, sit down in court, try to win the case for my client. Because, again, at the end of the day, the insurance company, it is a dollars and cents issue. I'm either going to pay out the 100 or I'm going to sit here and, and we're going to litigate this. So I always thought that was a really good analogy. Yeah. One time, many years ago, it used to be that not only did the umbrella sit on top of the home and the car, but it also sat on top of the gaps between those two policies. So if you did not have a boat policy, that the umbrella would actually pitch in and take care of you if you had a boat problem. In today's market, in almost all the policies that I've read about, seen, and read, if you don't have coverage already underlined, if it's not part of your auto policy, if it's not part of your home policy, or if it's not part of a separate policy, you don't have coverage. So most of the umbrellas I'm familiar with now only sit on top of what you've already got coverage for underneath that umbrella. Is that the way you're seeing most of the policies? Yes, sir, most definitely. I, I am sure if we dig hard enough into a policy jacket, there there might be a, a, a little coverage here, but it's for something so nuance that the likelihood that there's ever a claim brought up on that is probably very slim. So we always tell people, let's just assume that it's just covering the things that that you have underlying coverage for. Now, my point is you're back to having somebody that can sit across the table from you, look you in the eye and say, here's some risks you might consider 
Is this a big risk that you want to take care of? Or is this a small risk that you don't want to worry about? Uh, it's good to have somebody that's interested in you that can drive out to your house, who can sit there and do an estimation of what it would cost to rebuild your home, who's willing, even though they're not going to, I mean, how much more is the agent going to make if they talk you into spending an extra $2 a month? Yeah, a lot of the 800 numbers just want to give you the lowest price possible, the smallest amount of insurance possible. Because, you know, if they only sell you $50,000 worth of uh, auto liability insurance, that's all their risk is. Where that agent that's sitting across from the table from you is going to say, you know, for just a little bit more, for just a little bit more, you can go up to $300,000. And for a little bit more than that, you can go up to a million three hundred thousand dollars In my opinion, the agent that's sitting there across from you, the one that you can find when problems happen, are a whole lot more likely to take care of you and make recommendations that are in your best interest than those people that are on the 1-800 number that you won't ever meet, won't ever see, and probably won't ever talk to more than once. You agree with me, Jack? Oh, most definitely. And I think the misconception, uh, Bill, that, that we see is that people think that the 800 numbers are, are just cheaper than what a local independent or some other agent that is an actual person can provide. I would say that in 95-ish percent of the cases, when we see someone come to us from one of the online carriers or whatnot, we end up saving them money most of the time and giving them better coverage. So there is a misconception with, with that. And the way I look at it is you're getting the same, the same coverage for better, and you're also getting me to boot. So I'm worth something. Thank you so much for being on with me this morning, Jack. And I want to thank, thank all of you that tuned in. I want to tell you, you know, the COVID and the reaction to COVID has affected a great deal of our lives and a great many churches and a great many nonprofits. And it's been hard to find a way to make a difference in the lives of others. Maybe it's time to call those groups that you used to be a part of and ask if there's a way that you can get plugged back in. Is there a way that you can make a difference in the lives of the people around you? We need to get connected again. And through the help of Christ, we need to not be scared. We need to get connected. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. now time for Christian Car Guy Theater with today's episode, A Plymouth Progress, Episode 18. Jimmy is in great distress in his dream as Valiant looks like he's about to go bumper to bumper with Apollyon and Tenza Emmazine. Valiant here challenges the evil fiend Apollyon as to why Jesus hasn't come to the rescue of many of his saints before it's the right time. The Lord's restraint not to deliver them is for the purpose of testing their love, to see if they will cling to him to the end. And as for the ill end thou sayest they come to, that just adds glory to their account. For they do not expect deliverance now and will endure all life's trials knowing it adds to their glory in eternal life when their prince comes in his and the angel's glory. You have already been unfaithful in thy service to him. How dost thou think to receive wages of him? How, O Apollyon, have I been unfaithful to him? You almost fainted when you first set out, when you almost choked in the swamp of despond. 
you also attempted to get rid of your burden in the wrong way, instead of patiently waiting for the prince to take it off. You did sinfully sleep and lost your scroll. You were also almost persuaded to go back at the sight of the lions. And when you talk of thy journey and of what you have heard and seen, you inwardly desire your own glory in all you do and say. <laughs> all this is true, and much more which you have left out. But the prince whom I serve and honor is merciful and ready to forgive. But besides, these infirmities possessed me in your country. For there I allowed them to come in, and I have groaned under them, been sorry for them, and have obtained pardon from my prince. Then Apollyon broke out into a grievous rage, saying, I am an enemy to this prince. I hate his person, his laws, and people. I have purposefully come here to stop you. Apollyon, beware what you do, for I am in the king's highway, the way of holiness. Therefore take heed to yourself. Then Apollyon widened his wheelbase and straddled quite over the whole breadth of the way and said, I am void of fear in this matter. Prepare thyself to die. For I swear by my infernal tin that thou shalt go no further. Here I will spill thy soul. And with that, Apollyon threw a flaming dart at Valiant's grill. Oh, I have shield for those darts, foul Apollyon. My faith. With that, Valiant caught the dart, and then drew his sword, saying, I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, and my whole soul, and with all my strength. With a fiendish fury, Apollyon raced toward Valiant. One dart you can stop? Ha! Watch now as they come, thick as hell! The sky grew black with Apollyon's darts, by the which it was more than Valiant could do to avoid them. Oh! Oh! My head! My hand! Oh! My foot! With that, poor Valiant shifted in reverse a bit. <laughs> Your shield doesn't seem quite big enough, proud pipsqueak. Let's do it again! Once again, the sky grew black with a hailstorm of darts. But this time, Valiant took courage as he felt the Lord's presence in the struggle. His armor held the more. This mortal combat lasted for above half a day, even till Valiant was almost quite spent. For you must know that Valiant, by reason of his wounds, must needs grow weaker and weaker. Then Apollyon, espying his opportunity, began to drive up close to Valiant, and bumping him gave him a dreadful roll. And with that, Valiant's sword flew out of his hand. Then said Apollyon, I have you now. And with that, he almost ran Valiant to death, so that Valiant began to despair of life. But as God would have it, while Apollyon lifted up to deliver his last blow to make a full end of this good sedan, Valiant nimbly stretched out his hand for his sword and caught it, saying, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise back up. Take this, you despicable dragon. With that, Valiant gave him a deadly thrust, which made the fiend fall back as one who has received a mortal wound. Valiant, seeing his advantage, thrust his sword at him again, saying, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. When Apollyon heard these words, he spread forth his dragon wings and sped away, that Valiant for a season saw him no more. In this combat, no man can imagine, unless he'd seen and heard as Jimmy did, what yelling and hideous roaring Apollyon made all the time for the flight. He spake like a dragon, 
And on the other side, what sighs and groans burst forth from Valiant's heart? I never saw him all the while give so much as one pleasant look. Valiant fought with such vigor that his countenance never once relaxed its grim expression until he perceived he had wounded Apollyon with his two-edged sword. Then indeed he did smile and looked upward, but until that point the battle was the most dreadful sight that Jimmy ever saw. So when the battle was over, Valiant said, I will give I will give thanks to him that delivered me out of the mouth of combat with Apollyon the Lion. To my god that did help me against Apollyon. Great Beelzebub, the captain of this fiend and car crusher, designed my ruin. Therefore, to this end, he sent him harnessed out with weapons and with rage. That was a hellish and fierce battle. But God's angel, Michael, helped me. And I, by slash of sword, did make the fiend to fly. Therefore, to my mighty God, let me give lasting praise and thank and bless his holy name always! Tune in soon for another exciting adventure in the Plymouth Progress. Now, here's Danny Dipstick and Randy Radiator to review today's episode. <laughs> Randy, I think Valiant was like a octopus in that battle. Well, our that was one intense episode, wasn't it? But seriously, have you noticed that in all wars, we are always we always seem to underestimate our enemy as Valiant sure wasn't expecting the hailstorm of darts. Valiant couldn't face Apollyon on his own, <laughs> which is a lesson I keep learning time and time again in my life. <laughs> I need God to stand. I mean, Jesus said it so clearly. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Exactly, Danny. <laughs> we need his full armor and we need his presence. Hey, Danny, what did one eye say to the other eye? <laughs> Between you and me, something smells. <laughs> See, because the two eyes and there's a nose. Oh, boy. Say goodbye, Danny. <laughs> See you later, radiator. Wow, I could not be more grateful to God for the spectacular acting job. I mean, wow. Of Ben Webb as he played Apollyon in this episode, and then Jesse Cordy, oh my goodness, playing the part of Valiant. I don't know about you, but I definitely got chills the way he delivered a lot of those lines. And wow, God, how, how cool is it that he has provided us these tremendous actors like Jesse was the voice of LeFleu in the original Beauty and the Beast that was a Disney classic, the animated one. And then he also played the part of the Black Panther in Zootopia. <laughs> so, I mean, how amazing that God gave us those. And you can find out all about these guys and all our actors at the cast and crew page at christiancarguy.com, as well as the podcast for Christian Car Guy Theater, right? There's a podcast for Christian Car Guy Theater itself, so you can just go get all the episodes of Pilgrim's Progress or all the episodes of Christian Car Guy Theater right there on the podcast page of Christian Car Guy Theater at christiancarguy.com. And of course, I'm always so grateful to God for the Jesus labor love, car repair labor for single moms and widows. And this very week, I'm very, very grateful that God has provided another car and means to get to another car. So two more cars for single moms and widows. And so continue to pray. We are so grateful for your prayers and, and, and grateful for those who have needs. And go to christiancarguy.com, the Jesus labor of love. 
And then, of course, I'm so grateful for you listening, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. I'm grateful for Bill filling in for me today so I could have a Labor Day excursion. And so, wow, thank you so much. And remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years. We listen to the Truth Network. TruthNetwork.com. This is the Truth Network.